and welcome to the Building Confidence Podcast. I'm Greg Stinson, Head of our Accounting Advisory Services Practice here at KPMG. We have a great episode lined up for you today from our Accounting and Reporting webinar. I was joined by Jenny Carter from the FRC to talk through the Accounting and Reporting Priorities in 2023, Audit and Corporate Governance Reform, and the big changes announced with respect to UK GAAP. It's a great session with some useful insight into what business you should be aware of for the remainder of the year and in 2024 and beyond. You can find a link to the full webinar in the show notes. I really hope you enjoy listening. Jenny, welcome. Hello. Hello, everybody. Thank you very much for joining. Um, so as I said, Jenny is Director of Accounting and Reporting Policy at the FRC, and we've heard an awful lot um, from the FRC in recent months. And I thought it'd be really good to invite Jenny along today to share some of those thoughts. And so you could hear live, you know, what, what Jenny's perspectives are um, with respect to UK report. With um, a reminder or, or an, an update for, for our attendees on the FRC's key priorities uh, for accounting and reporting right now and in 2023. Could you, could you share those thoughts? Yeah. Yes, certainly. Well, I suppose the main thing is high quality reporting you know, for for decision making purposes, and uh, and that sort of you know it runs through through everything, and um, just one uh, sort of FRC publication that I might draw people's attention to that might help them in that that regard is uh, something we put out on what makes a good annual report and accounts, and of course complying with the requirements is is part of that, but that particular publication also gives some other ideas around clear and relevant information and communication principles and people might find that interesting. Um, but coming back to some particular areas that my team is focused on and that's um, non-financial reporting and the development and maintenance of UK GAP or UK and, and Ireland GAP and international influencing in, in areas that are, are related to that. Um, We've obviously spoken um, a, a lot in recent months, well, years in fact, but 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 it, increasingly more in recent months around audit and corporate governance reform. It was something that I referred to at the outset. It is a priority of our uh, our audience. Where is this up to now with respect to the government, and also um, what should we be expecting from the FRC? And then argue on this over the coming, the coming weeks and months. So um, I'm sure people have heard this before, but the the government response came out last summer, setting out how the government was going to take forward the um, matters it had consulted on in that area. For the purposes of this discussion, I think I'll focus on the corporate reporting aspect. And there were four particular new reporting requirements that the government is going to be taking forward. So one is um, a new resilience statement, which um, would replace the viability statement. A new audit and assurance policy, so a requirement to disclose information about um, the extent to which uh, assurance has been uh, sought over other, other disclosures some directors reporting in relation to fraud, and also some new disclosures on capital maintenance and dividends. And these, the, the government set out that these new, new disclosure requirements would apply to the largest companies. So those with 
750 million turnover and uh, over 750 employees. So we understand that the government is hoping to lay legislation. Um, obviously, it yeah, requires legislation to bring in these new requirements. So we're, we're, we understand the government is hoping to lay that legislation in late spring or, or early summer. And of course, that legislation um, being available will enable us to then provide guidance on those new reporting requirements. So we'd expect to provide guidance on all four of those, those new topics. Um, obviously, the guidance will will be tailored to the to the topics. You know, some might be uh, longer than others. And should that um, statutory instrument be laid, as I as I indicated, we understand uh, the government hopes to. We'd be hoping to then start a process of engaging with stakeholders, understanding what they might want guidance on, um, and then we'd move on to a consultation. So we consult on the guidance, we hope, by the end of this year, and then the guidance would be ready uh, before the first reporting is required. Um, there's a couple of other areas sort of related to that as well that we'll be thinking about. I think these changes to, we're expecting a number of these reporting requirements to, to be in the strategic report. So I think that provides an opportunity to look again at the guidance on the strategic report potentially update that more widely it's been we did do an update last year uh, for the TCFD aligned reporting but it's been a few years since there's been a, a, a more significant update so it'll be an opportunity to look at updating that guidance more generally and another thing uh, we mentioned in a position paper that we put out last year that uh, we're working with the department looking at how we might propose simplifications or other improvements in reporting requirements. So quite a lot of potential change um, to come in terms of, of that area of reporting. Yeah, yeah thanks, Jenny. I mean, that's really helpful to get some clarity um, on on those timelines. And so, so I'll, I'll, I'll replay what I, what I think I heard. So with respect to audit and corporate governance reform, expecting something from the government in, in relatively short order, so late spring, early summer. The FRC will then, at a point in time, um, seek consultation on the different disclosures there before that you mentioned, and then put out some guidance based on that at a point in time, which is um, in response to the consultation that takes place. That'll be later on in 2023 or, or early 2024, depending on, on when that all pans out. But that, that's really helpful to know. Yes, and obviously we'll be very pleased to hear people's views as we start developing that guidance and there'll be opportunities for people to get involved. Thanks, Jenny. And a reminder for anyone um, who um, isn't aware of those thresholds, so the new threshold for a public interest entity, as, as Jenny mentioned, would be 750 uh, employees and more than 750 revenue, 750 million revenue, you would, you would trigger the public interest entity um, um, thresholds. Okay, a, a new hot topic which has come onto our radar since last time we caught up in December is around uh, UK gap changes. So I wondered if you could just give everyone an update on on what's being proposed here. Yes, certainly. So we're we're part way through the periodic review, the second periodic review. Uh, we, we sort of often call it the periodic review of FRS one hundred and two, which of course is the main standard. But there are changes proposed to the other standards in the suite as well, although generally less significant than 
to FRS 102. So we, we carry out the periodic review approximately every five years. And the idea is to try and give a stable platform in between. It's not always possible. Uh, I don't think we've managed it yet because there's always some urgent issue that, that comes along and we need to deal with this, although generally those are more narrow scope or only apply to a smaller number of entities. Um, so the major changes are, are once every five years or so. And of course, this applies, we were just talking about reporting requirements for the very largest entities. Um, these changes proposed to FRS 102 and indeed FRS 105 would apply to um, uh, many more entities, entities of all sizes. So we started in March 2021, which is two years ago, uh, with a request for views. And, um, you know, we've been sort of working on that for uh, for a while now. So the, the exposure draft came out just at the end of last year. And so there's obviously been quite a lot going on in, in that period whilst we were developing those proposals. So we thought we looked at changes in full IFRS standards because we do try, uh, you know, one of our sort of principles is to have an IFRS based solution unless something else is clearly better for for the UK and Ireland. Um, so we started off looking at changes in IFRS and we've looked at the changes that are proposed to the IFRS RESMEs accounting standard. So the IESB is also doing a similar exercise in relation to the IFRS RESMEs accounting standard. So it's been quite interesting to look at you know, where they've got to on, on similar issues and whether they've come to the same conclusions or not, and not always the same. Um, we also had, as I mentioned, this request reviews. We got lots of stakeholder feedback. So we considered all that and that in particular fed into areas around um, potential things that could be further clarified. Um, and we also thought about wider developments in corporate reporting. So again, thinking back to the, the uh, a moment ago when we were talking about those uh, large entities uh, with public public interest, one of the things we asked ourselves was to the extent that those entities are applying FRS 102, are there additional financial reporting disclosures that should be required of them? And we came to the conclusion that the answer was no, that the, the standard is already um, appropriately deals with, with matters there. So quite a lot of things to consider, which is um, you know, partly why it took a while to develop that exposure draft. But coming on to the, what areas are proposed for changes, because um, obviously people be interested in that, the biggest changes are around uh, revenue and leasing, where we're proposing to align with IFRS requirements on IFRS 15 on revenue from uh, contracts with customers and IFRS 16 on leasing. And this is one area where I mentioned we've come to a different conclusion to the IASB because the ISB is not proposing to make changes for leasing in the IFRS RESMEs accounting standard. We're also proposing other changes around things like um, concepts and pervasive principles al aligning with the conceptual framework around fair value. One other area that we were able to look at again was Section 1A, the disclosure requirements for small entities, where the, the basic requirement to um, to to give a true and fair view doesn't change, but what we have been able to do is require specify more specific disclosures that companies, uh, small small entities, should provide, and we hope that that will be helpful to small entities in 
taking away some of the judgment that might have been required in, in terms of the disclosures required there. And there are a variety of other incremental improvements and clarifications. And um, perhaps just to mention sort of one thing that we're not doing that people might be interested to hear about is that we're not proposing to make changes um, in relation to expected credit loss. We, 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 we haven't ruled it out completely. Uh, we'll come back to that. We have actually asked a question on it in the in the FRED, uh, but at the present time, we're not proposing any changes in respect of, of ECL. Thanks, Jenny. So what, what I captured is um, potentially big changes coming into FRS 1 or 2, particularly headline, revenue and leasing, um, a, a question in relation to IFRS 9 expected credit loss, but not proposed at the moment. So I guess the um, the, the, the key thing to, um, to just to clarify is proposed effective date and then um, just just clarify on the comment period and um, you know, that would be really useful for our um, audience. Yes. So the, the effective date that we've proposed is the 1st of January 2025. Um, and sort of the, how we sort of get there from now, so the comment period closes at the end of April, so in a month's time, and we'll be aiming to finalise the amendments later on this year. Um, difficult to say exactly when, and of course it partly depends on the feedback we get and how long it takes to to review that and, and re-deliberate, but hoping to finalise later on this year. We would always give a, at least a year prior to the effective date um, for, for changes of this sort of should sort of size. So then that takes us to a, a proposed date of the 1st of January 2025. Of course, the, the date itself is part of the consultation. Um, mm. So, uh, you know, people are, are welcome to provide views on, on that. But yeah, January 25 is what we've proposed. Okay, thanks, Jenny. So, so response is to this um, open until the end of end of April. Um, okay, so is there anything else that you think would be, you know, any any new changes and anything other anything else which is particularly relevant um, to to share today? Well, there's a, a few other things that are, are are sort of perhaps business as usual type things or other things that are coming up that it it might be might be interesting to people. So, of course, our we have an annual cycle of reviews on FRS 101, the Reduced Disclosure Framework Standard, um, and the exposure draft for that, the comment period ended, I think about a month ago. So we'll be finalizing this year's changes as a result of that. Those that read that exposure draft, there actually weren't any changes proposed. So <laughs> um, not this year, but so uh, we'll be finalizing that anyway. And uh, and then of course, before long, it'll come around to the, the following year's cycle. We will of course continue to respond to any urgent issues. And I know one that um, the ISB has been thinking about and we're also thinking about is the, the the global tax changes with the pillar two requirements so we are thinking about that um, it's likely that we'll be updating our frs 102 guidance on climate related risks which um which we issued a little while ago and of course one thing to remember with the periodic review is that there are a number of SORPs in existence and of course once we've finalised our requirements uh, we'd anticipate the SORP making bodies updating the SORPs so that's another thing to to look out for uh, for those people that are within the scope of a SORP. 
And finally, um, going back to the guidance on the strategic report, um, the ISSB, of course, has been working on its standards and, and those are expected and we'll consider um, whether there's any necessary changes to guidance in, um, on the strategic report um, as a result of any developments in that area as well. So so still quite a few things to come as well as uh, lots um, um, up, open for consultation at the moment. Fantastic, Jenny. Um... It seems like you're well on your way to becoming Arga. There's, there's, there's a heck of a lot on your plate. Um, I've seen the volume of guidance that has been issued by the FRC both late last year and early this year, and it sounds like there's a lot more to come later in 2023. So I think for everybody, you know, I personally find it all very useful. It's a really good, really good set of guidelines. Whatever I'm doing across, you know, the financial statements or, or annual report on accounts or corporate governance or or audit so um you know stay tuned to get your updates from from jenny and the wider teams at the frc and um you know that'll keep you on the right track with respect to reporting and um accounting unfortunately that's all we've got time for in today's podcast it's been brilliant chatting with you jenny thank you very much my three my three key, key takeaways the frc to arga transition is really in full flow um Please take advantage of all of the additional guidance that is being released by the FRC. Um, the ARGA is going to be here in a year's time, but there's plenty already out there that you can leverage and use to enhance the quality of reporting and accounting. The second thing is we, we really do know the direction of travel on everything, and there's plenty which all companies can be doing before we have the final versions of the new guidelines, standards, and laws. So, so make sure that you make as much progress as you can, you know, the, the no regrets things, if you, if you like. And, and lastly, take some time to do an assessment of where you are and where you need to be across everything which is coming in, because there are so many new deadlines coming in on the horizon in the next one, two, three years. You really, really, you really do need a high quality plan to be able to deliver against everything which you're going to need to do. We're going to have many more guests in future episodes who are passionate about good governance, ESG, technology. So please do subscribe to our podcast and get alerted when new episodes are published. Thank you and goodbye for now. We can endlessly debate about our future, but now is the time to stop talking and start doing. ESG, environmental, social and governance, embeds positive impact into our actions not just around climate change, but the whole fabric of society. At KPMG, we have the knowledge, ability, and experience to guide business leaders to drive real change. ESG is now. Are you with us? Search KPMG ESG to find out more.